Well, hello, Brad fans. What is up? How are you doing? This episode is for the political junkies, and specifically, the Canadian political junkies. Oof, what a niche audience we are going for here, but you guessed it. The panel of ordinary gentlemen, ordinary Canadian citizens is back to discuss all matters Canadian politics. Uh, specifically, we focus on a recent Supreme Court of Canada's decision regarding carbon taxes, what that means for our home province of Alberta, the oil-producing heart of the nation. Uh, we also talked a little bit about uh, provincial conservative strategy, the fight back strategy, how it's going, recent polling that has them down, where do they go from here. We then uh, rolled that into a conversation about the federal conservatives, the trouble they had over their policy convention, uh, basically the trouble the leader of the federal conservatives, Aaron O'Toole, had uh, at his policy convention, uh, trying to drag the party to the center and being dragged instead to the right by attendees at that convention. We explain all that and discuss what it means moving forward in a potential spring election. What could the Liberals possibly do to, to boner this up? Um, and tent size. How big is your political tent? How big should it be? All of this and more hard-hitting political commentary from the, regular, from the people to the people, from the regular ordinary dudes. So I thank them for being here. I thank you for being here, and please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at 2 brad for you You can send us an email, 2 brad for you at gmail.com. You can send us a voice message, and we will play it on the show, speakpipe.com slash 2 brad for you As always, follow, subscribe, never miss an episode, leave us a comment, rate us highly, if you will. Um, and yes, that's it. Again, we thank you so much for being here. Here is our super niche conversation on Canadian politics. Too Brad for Politics is back. All right, all right. Gentlemen, welcome back. We have the distinguished panel of ordinary, ordinary gents, the citizenry of the country, of the province of Alberta, uh, on time this time. Uh, that's inside baseball to throw Coleman under the bus for screwing up last weekend's recording by not knowing which day was Saturday and which day was Sunday. So, Coleman from the frozen north of Edmonton, how's your Sunday oh, going? Oh, it's good. It's actually Sunday this time. I, I thought for sure that <laughs> yeah. the 19th was a Sunday. I didn't even look. I was just I knew in my heart that that was You're true. Wrong. I blame my casual alcoholism for making it difficult to know what day it is, and I'm happy to be on the show again. Yeah, well, and th that's your truth. Those are your facts sticking to it. I'm happy that we all made it here with the time change down south in Calgary. Steve, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Brad. Thanks for having me. Never felt more ordinary on this Sunday, which I think is uh, going to really uh, boost the show. Yeah. The, like I said, the ordinary citizenry, you know, real talk, straight from the people to the people. And also in Calgary, Scott, as always, uh, looking good, you know, that um, alleged webcam that you've been saying you're going to buy for weeks now is, uh, I'm assuming it's just in the mail, right? Right. It is in the mail, yeah. It's coming shortly. It's just us ordinary folk, you know, things take a little longer than, uh, you know, ritzy podcast hosts from Europe, so... 
you know, it takes a little while. I believe it is actually in the Suez Canal. My webcam is, uh, it's coming as soon as they can move that boat. And when, how are they going to move that boat? My when God. When you only got one backhoe in the entire region, I mean, it's going to be difficult, right? Look at this. Topical humor. Topical humor on a Sunday. Beautiful. Well, gentlemen, we're, uh, we're all here. We're all ordinary. Well, I guess we, you know, let's just say, let's, let's give ourselves a little credit. We all have university degrees, correct? Uh. Um, in various topics. Well, and I was going to say, we, we have university degrees, each of us from fine Western Canadian I, I believe prestigious Albertan, institutions, Albertan institutions, not flavored by that Laurentian Upper Canada bullshit, right? So let's start with our home province of Alberta, and I guess it's kind of a national story, but it's big for Alberta because uh, the premier of Alberta was a big uh, player in the push to repeal the carbon tax, repeal repeal the federal carbon tax. And this recently made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, uh, which upheld the federal carbon tax in a 6-3 decision. Um, for a little bit of context, we have a, the Canadian government uh, deemed it wise that the entire country have a some sort of a carbon plan, some sort of a carbon pricing plan. Um, the provinces were free to make their own plan, which the previous Alberta government did, uh, saying that it was better to have uh, an Alberta solution where the money stays in Alberta rather than flows to the federal government. Um, I believe a few other provinces did the same, New Brunswick being one of them. Um, and there was a deadline. If you didn't have a plan in place, then you had you were stuck with the federal plan and you didn't have much say in how that was rolled out or where the money went, although most plans, the Alberta plan that was scrapped by this new government um, and the federal plan that is now constitutional, according to the Supreme Court of Canada, uh, and in place in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Ontario, the three provinces that brought the lawsuit out, uh, the majority of the money gets rebated back to have-nots, to use Canadian political lingo, people that uh, make under a certain threshold of income. So it's kind of a rebate. It's kind of a, a payback thing. Um, has implications for Alberta because Jason Kenney, in his strategy, his bold strategy of fighting for the energy sector, made this a big point of his election campaign to scrap the carbon tax, uh, as he said, um, which he did as soon as he got in. And followed through with the, province, uh, the promise to fight this one all the way to the Supreme Court, which, according to the sources I read, was destined to lose, uh, or at least the odds were not in his favor. So the question is, where do they go now? Um, and what do we think of the so-called fight-back strategy that Kenny has employed? Because we can see there's a lot of ongoing fights on the board, but not a lot of wins. Unless you count Bigfoot. I don't know if, if they've slayed Bigfoot yet, if the, the dedicated war room, energy war room, has, has felled the mythical creature. Um, other than that, I don't know if we can count a lot of wins on the board. I'll jump to you first, Steve. I've said enough. What do you think of um, where they go from here, I guess, and what this means for the fight-back strategy? Is, can they keep going with the fight-back strategy, or is it time to throw in the towel and maybe make peace on some front? Yeah, excellent uh, recap of the um, court decision, Brad, and 
the perspective of Alberta and the other provinces. Uh, I mean, I, it seems like based on the reaction of Jason Kenney to these events that um, he does want to continue to fight back, but he didn't have a plan, a backup plan. He thought this was just going to go his way. And so stand by for more action at a later time brought to you by the Alberta taxpayers. Thank you. Um, I mean, in all seriousness, no, though, uh, the, the decision's super interesting, I think, constitutionally. Um, I think the two sides uh, kind of that are arguing about this decision now, kind of in the public square versus uh, this is uh, activism or a political uh, judiciary that has made a, a choice based on their own personal feelings rather than upholding the Canadian constitution. And then of course uh, there are, you're talking about the judges in that exactly, sense that yeah. they made the decision. Yeah. And the other yeah. side of that is that they, they did exactly what they were supposed to do uh, based on the constitution, uh, like the, the uh, Canadian uh, constitution has always upheld that there will be new things that we'll have to decide on. Uh, what the jurisdiction is, whether it be federal or provincial. I mean, just an example of that is uh, the uh, the travel industry or, or the aeronautics industry, I guess you could say, that came up well after they were kind of divvying up jurisdiction. So this, this is a new thing. Obviously, it needed to be uh, determined if it was within the national interest to have this standard, I guess you could say, or threshold of, of action. And um, they decided to do it. Uh, there's lots of debate around that. Obviously, it wasn't unanimous even on the court. It was a six to three ruling. Um, so we'll see. There, there is no fight legally to, to make anymore. That's the highest court. So there's nothing left to fight on that. So yeah. for Kenny, I mean, the, the thing I would have liked to have heard from him is um, we don't agree with the federal carbon tax. We don't agree with uh, the court ruling. Um, however, uh, given that now this is decided upon, we can move forward and we will move forward with the Canadian plan, which at least gets the money rebated back to us. Uh, to, to the province, um, and we're just going to move forward with that. You could even take some shots at Trudeau on the way out, you know, call it the Trudeau carbon tax, um, you know, do your usual sweet uh, gun slinging, you know, blow on the gun for how much heat you bring, Mr. Kenny. Uh, but, um, yeah, that would have been what I... In his stampede outfit. That's right. That's what I would have liked to have heard. Uh, that makes the most sense to me anyway. And then, uh, but no, he just kind of said, well, we don't know what's going on, so we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, cons we'll statement... consult with our lobbyists and uh, get back to you. <laughs> See what you did there. Um, yeah, his statement that we don't have a, a backup plan was kind of shocking because it's like you, you, you had to know that this was at least, if not, you know, a 60-40 or, or higher chance, at least a 50-50 chance that this decision is not going to go your way. Um, so to, to kind of stand up there in front of the microphone and say, we don't have a backup plan is weird. It's, like, it seems like a bad strategy, bad comms, 
move um i can't imagine but maybe they were really caught that caught off guard another point that was brought up i was watching an interview uh points with uh, mount royal uh political science professor Dwayne bratt it's on the news a lot in calgary um interesting guy to follow for for news on this stuff and, and insight and he brought up the point that when kenny repealed the the carbon tax the alberta carbon tax that notley put in the the previous government um they said we're going to get rid of it we're going to fight this thing in the the federal one and we will not implement another one like any any new tax has to go to a referendum so he kind of boxed himself in uh in the, into the corner with that one now um professor bratt was saying that they didn't actually amend the language of the law that so that they're 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 held to it but he was there's video you know that he made these statements saying we're not going to, you know, we will not make a, an, an Alberta solution. So basically, you're stuck with the, with the federal one. And I like what you said there, Steve. You, you can do that, and you can just call it the Trudeau tax and use it to rile up your base from now to the next election, which I think is the other thing that um, Professor Bratt brought up was there's two sides to the fight back strategy. There's the political side, which seems to play well to his base, and it won him the election in 2019. But there's the policy side, where there is zero wins. So, jumping on that idea of you know what is the what is the the fight back strategy and where do we go where do they go from here? Um, Coleman, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I think. Oh, it's when you look at stuff that he said that he can't walk back. I mean, there was a point where he said that he wasn't interested in being involved in having the government pick winners and losers in the economy, and then he went out and spent $7 billion on a pipeline that isn't going to get built now. So, so I don't think he, I don't think he'll have any, any issues walking this back. Um, I think in his defense there, he said he didn't want the government picking winners. He didn't oppose picking losers. He's very good at picking losers. Um, it's just, I, I think they're in their mind, this fight would go a lot, this, climate or like this carbon tax challenges we're going to be mostly just a pr victory any or a pr battle anyway i think they did any reasonable person would have seen that there wasn't a huge chance that this was going to be overturned um mind you the alberta courts did say that they you know they agreed with the alberta government so they had that win. yeah i mean that's good we, we got that going for us it's like <laughs> when we have our referendum on equalization i'm sure they'll agree with us too on that um, um i think in his mind he was gonna like fight this trudeau government then the trudeau government was gonna be very unpopular and it was gonna be just easy wins for him to rack up for his base even if they lost and it's like right now it's all just kind of falling apart because he's the you say he's disappointed that he goes up and and doesn't have a, a plan for replacement carbon tax or anything like that. It's like that's kind of par for the course for this guy. Like he's not, he's not a great leader or anything like that. He, in a former life, he was a great political operator, as like an MP for the Harper government. And he did some good work in Ontario as far as drumming up support goes. But it's like anytime you ever heard of him in any sort of spotlight when he was an MP and a cabinet minister, is usually bad. It's like he's usually he'd screw something sure. up, and now it's like every time he's in front of a camera, he's doing something bad and screwing up and kind of embarrassing us. He's just not not really cut out for leadership. It's kind of for the opposite reason that uh, Justin Trudeau's good at being prime minister because he's very good at those like going out front of camera moments and making 
good statements and things like that. And Kenny's just the opposite, like every way. Guys like Mr. Magoo mm-hmm. when he goes out in front of like a, a press <laughs> conference, like I don't know what the fuck he's doing most of the time. Well, well, and there was that was the narrative on him coming in was that he was this like amazing political operator, right? And I wonder if maybe I'm just thinking on, on you know, off the top of my head here, and then Scott, you can jump in, but um, you know when you're surrounded by people that agree with you in this province, like you roll in on this, you know, white horse of I'm going to, we're going to, all these things are so popular. Everybody wants me, you know, like there's nothing to operate in. It's like, okay, you've, you've done all the political maneuvering. You've done all the political operating in order to unite the, the conservative parties, win the election, drum up support, all of this stuff, get the, the oil sector people behind you. But now when it comes to governing and, making policy you, there's no one to operate against you know like you have these sort of scapegoats that you use but just scapegoating somebody doesn't make for good policy so so now you have nothing nothing to well, stand that's all on. he i don't know all Scott, he does he, is the the scapegoat thing that's like literally his only yeah, play is like to blame he blames the trudeau government and now he's been blaming the the ndp the ex-ndp government and that's going to go in the opposite way they're like buildings popularity off of that so yeah, well, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, I think it was easy enough for him to kind of ride in and say, you know, on a wave of sort of anger at the NDP and Albertan, you know, Alberta conservatives, I think, had a bit of a sense of sort of a divine right of kings to rule the province. And then it was a bit of a rude shock when the NDP came in. So it was easy enough for Kenny to kind of show in and show up and say, don't you hate these people? We won't be like these people. But that's easy enough. It's like, okay, you're not going to do what they did. What are you going to do? And then when it comes into actually having to, you know, as you said, make policy or uh, come up with plans, it's easy enough to say we're not going to be like them. But then what are you going to do? Uh, this whole thing where they just didn't have any sort of backup plan, you're right, seems very much in keeping with the sort of governance style. Like how any sensible leader on a 50-50 shot, that seemed more like a 90-10 shot you're going to lose to not have a backup plan. I think, like, the Canadian military has a plan for if the United States invades us. Like, if you're a proper institute, you have all sorts of contingency and backup plans, and it seems there's none of that. Also, I honestly think that's probably good because I would rather that Alberta stick with the federal program of just rebating most of it rather than whatever we would come up with because... I have little doubt that whatever the Kenny government would come up with would be worse overall. <laughs> My younger brother lives in Saskatchewan where he'd been saying some of the talk is their plan might include just rebating fuel prices, like just using the carbon tax to make gas cheaper, mm. which seems like really the opposite of kind of uh, what you're trying what to achieve here. What the goal of here. this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I guess would be sort of a stick in the eye to you Laurentian enviro liberal elites. But I think they haven't really thought through a lot of the implications of how this sort of makes the province look internationally. Um, it's If you're screaming from the heavens that our entire oil and gas industry will collapse under a carbon pricing regime, like the entire world is trending that way. There's been noises, you know, American petroleum lobbies are basically, I think they themselves have come to the conclusion that something is going to be done and it's either going to be carbon taxes or regulation. 
and they acknowledge that carbon taxes are going to be the cheapest way for industry to adapt. So, you know, it seems the world is trending pro-carbon tax, and Kenny is increasingly on this island by himself, you know, screaming from the heavens. And even then, Alberta, when they canceled the provincial carbon tax, they still left. There are taxes and caps on large emitters that represent the bulk of our province's emissions. So, you know, Alberta always had a carbon tax of sorts Mm -hmm. or a, you know, carbon regulatory regime, but they just, you know, didn't want to advertise that too much. But it's still, you know, it's the way the world's going. And I think it's a bit silly that they would just continue to drive their heads further into the sand on that. Yeah, it's, but I'm, so then looking at, let's, let's broaden it to the, the whole fight back strategy or fight strategy, because that is what this uh, government seems to be, seems to be their, their, their way of governing. It was doctors, it was fighting against um, public health restrictions, it was, what else have we, what, have, you know, the Bigfoot thing. Uh, if people don't know the thirty million dollar thirty million dollar a year uh, war room, uh, war room, so enter, you know propaganda center uh, for for the oil industry took on a children's movie where Bigfoot fights cartoonish, literally cartoonish uh, oil executives in in Alaska or something. Um, great great use of taxpayer money. The the inquiry the that is also been a, an embarrassment the the inquiry into um foreign funded activists operating against the oil industry in alberta that has yet to produce the report and is you know a couple million dollars uh over budget um that's another fiasco um how much of this like at what point do you, like can they keep up with this until the next election, which is two years from now? And maybe we start to bring in the polling numbers here because the, the UCP polling numbers are terrible, uh, have been on a decline really since, well, in, according to some polls, one I was looking at from the University of Alberta, um, since they came into power, really, like they started, popularity started declining uh, since 2019 when they came into power and has only gotten worse since August of 2020. Uh, reaching new lows just recently um but you yeah at what point do you know they've walked back some policies though they publicly walked back you know the coal policy or the selling off the parks policy although it remains to be seen how much they actually walked back because there's a lot of stuff going on in the background which would say (laughs) they haven't actually done that they haven't walked it Um, back at all (laughs) yeah but it just seems like can is this sustainable um is the electorate still on board with fighting back? I mean, you think about just with the carbon tax fight, you've lost, I think it was like a billion in revenue that, that the, the Alberta carbon tax was bringing into the, 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 the provincial budget. Um, I mean, a lot of that got rebated, but you're still coming out with a net positive there. Um, you have the, the, the money of like just, doing the lawsuit, which is a couple million, which is, you know, in budget standards, pretty small. Um, But then also, you know, there's rumblings out of the energy industry, if you look at some of the reporting there, that they're pulling back investment because of political instability. And a lot of that is caused by the fighting. So, yeah, I don't know. Who wants to jump in there, I guess? Maybe we can bring it back to you, Steve. But I just, I don't see what the way forward is 
without having to sort of put up uh, at least start trying to build some bridges yeah i mean it's clearly the plan is to keep up this notion of us against uh them and and them being the trudeau government or however you want to put it the liberal elites uh of central ontario netflix biden uh whomever um uh, that's clearly the plan. Whether or not it'll work, I have no idea. And uh, like, clearly, like, if we go back to their not having a plan, a backup plan for the carbon tax, they do. Frame the response to it is rather than say we will take this plan on, they instead they they frame it as we're not ready like they, they would prefer to seem obtuse and confused they would prefer that be the perception than to the perception to be that they are adopting something that trudeau did right like yeah they, and like you said they could have played it as as we're being look at this is another example of them forcing some shit on yeah. us fuck those guys and if that's if that's gonna if that ends up working for them then the electorate is is I don't know, pretty dim in terms of how how much they're actually observing. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that the electorate is is paying attention. Um, and like, listen, two years is a is is uh, is a whole era of politics for this party, perhaps before the next election. So they could even have a new leader by then. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it. But probably not. But but um, so two years. A lot could happen in two years, and uh, and a lot will be forgotten, and that's just how it kind of works, right? Um, but if the election were held today, the the NDP would would form a government. I would have to believe, and um, yeah. so it, is it is that their strategy? It's clearly their strategy. It's clearly not very well thought out. I don't think because they could do it in a in a much more kind of clear way where they don't seem so incompetent all the time but will it work i don't think so i don't know we'll see how we'll we'll see how it goes from here but it definitely seems like they uh... thought this was going to be easier like this whole governing thing well it's because it definitely feels like they thought it was going to be easier that these fights that they started that the public would be with them and that they could just roll ahead with the agenda no problem and that these things were just going to go their way. I, I, I think a big part of that is because uh, largely they're outsiders, right? Yeah. To the province. Not from Alberta. And in, in a sense, they are steeped in a, in another type of Laurentian kind of uh, uh, politics. And I think that they, they could come here and take advantage of, of the province. That's how it seems to me. And that's how they, yeah. that's how their actions play to me. And, um, I don't think, I think it's fairly obvious. So who will it end up working for them? It's a, it's a really terrible thing to, to have found out about you. If you're an outsider, you came to a province with the idea that you could rule the province and do whatever you wanted and line the pockets of certain people and, and, uh, you know, exhibit a blend of corruption and incompetence and continue to be voted in. Uh, so 
I hope that the polls are indicating that they are being found out right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the uh, it'll be kind of the key question for me going into the election over the next two years, as far as the whole fight back strategy goes. I think for a portion of the electorate, you know, the fight is not just means to an end. It is the end in itself. Like people just want to see fighting, uh, especially as politics seems to get more partisan and more heated. If you've got people essentially like those people are bad. So my you know, these guys are fighting them and I hate them. So that that's all that really counts for me They're You know, they hate the people that I hate whether or not they're actually achieving, you know, anything tangible. Uh, so the question for me would be what portion of their base is satisfied with fighting for fighting's sake and what portion is actually hoping to see some results and is going to be pretty disappointed that, as we've said, they're just not there. They haven't seemed to win on virtually anything. Um, so this sort of performative, we're going to fight everyone on all fronts all the time, you know, it works as a campaign strategy. It clearly doesn't seem to be working as a governing strategy. So then come the next election, when you actually have to run on your record, will people's perceptions be, you know, will it either be, Hey, they fought or will people say, but they lost every fight. So does it matter that they were, you know, stamping their feet in the news or anything like that if they didn't actually win anything? And it seems they're Trudeau's pretty unpopular in Alberta, though I saw recently actually Trudeau's approval rating as a leader is higher than Kenny's yeah. in Alberta, which has got to raise some alarm bells uh, for them. Yeah. So um, the, the, you bring up an interesting point about like what section of the base is, is going to be satisfied with this. And I think um, we'll talk about the federal conservatives in a bit and, you know, the, the, the troubles with the base there. But maybe this fight strategy is is going to be part of the the downfall because you have people like if you do have to start walking things back like let's take take for example the public health measures look at how that played in that base right the the hardcore base uh some of the hardcore base of kenny hated that right so if you're starting all these fights and everyone loves the fights but then only half of the half of the base has the stomach to follow through with some of the fights but the other half is like no you're not fighting enough you're not going far enough you're you're splitting your support um and yeah who knows let's see what happens because there's definitely rumblings of you know the 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 caucus isn't happy not everyone is happy uh there could be some fracturing going on there coleman did you want to jump in no i'm good no i'm in um i think (laughs) It's kind of interesting because, like, the last two conservative governments in Alberta, the was it Stelmac and then Redford, both kind of yeah. came undone in similar ways to the way this one appears to be kind of coming undone, where they, I think, governing that coalition between the Wildrose side of the party and then the PC side of it's not gotten any easier over the years. It's gotten a lot more difficult, actually, because it's just the way you see that whenever the Kenny government makes a mistake – it's pretty impressive how universally panned it is amongst like pretty much everyone for different reasons. But like, you think like one of them would be like, Oh, this is good. Like their, their COVID restrictions are, it's like, it's not hard enough for half the province or probably more than half the province. And then the wild rose ones, like it's way, it's ridiculous. Like they're locking us in our homes. This is absurd. It's like, you think at some point you would make one group happy, 
you know? <laughs> like, yeah, just by throwing darts at yeah, a dartboard, you would get something. Yeah, and I don't think he's capable of. Um, like he's talking about changing the the strategy before the election. I don't think they're capable of it. I don't think Jason Kenney can run any any sort of campaign that isn't blame others for all your problems. I think that's the only one he he's possibly capable of. Do- oh, there's gonna be a big sneeze from Barg there. I was getting braced for it. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's capable of doing anything else. I think they're only saving grace if oil prices magically rebound and like maybe they can campaign on that, but. I think we're looking at a very interesting election coming up in two years. I don't think it's a slam dunk that the NDP will take over, but like I don't think a, a, a minority PC government is out of the out of the question at all. Just the way that these guys seem incapable of getting out of their own way at all. And it's been like, and mm-hmm. it's not just like I say, it's not just this conservative government. The last two were very similar when it seemed like kind of like this infighting over what direction to go with it kind of brings them down in the end. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, I mean, you brought up an interesting point. That's something that I was thinking about too, is like, what, like, what would it take for, you know, in an, obviously two years is a long time. Like Steve said, it could be a whole era, uh, what it would take in order to sort of like, what are people going to remember? Uh, what, what's the legacy going to be? What, what's going to be the taste in people's mouth by the time they go to the polls? Who knows? But I'm not, I'm not sure that just rebounding oil prices or that oil prices can rebound high enough uh, to, to, to forget about all this stuff. I don't know. Um, but let's take a look at the... I think the other... Yeah. I was going to say, a quick thing with the oil price rebound is kind of a lot of what I've been reading is a lot of what companies have been doing during the downturn is investing in automation and technologies that essentially you can extract the same amount of oil with fewer workers. Yeah. And it seems even if prices went to $100 a barrel tomorrow, it's not like it's going to be there. The money will come like the royalties will come. It'll be great for the shareholders of the companies, but it's not going to lead to the same sort of employment levels or, you know, $120,000 a year job straight out of high school for anyone who wants one. I don't think those days are ever coming back. Um, And a lot of people, I think, had the impression that Jason Kenney was bringing those days back and, I don't think that's just the way the market is now. I don't think that's ever coming back. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. I mean, there was a piece uh, in the Calgary Herald. I think I think it was the Herald not too long ago that said, you know, um, as oil prices are because they are rebounding a little bit since since the beginning of the pandemic. I think seventy dollars a barrel was one of the recent highs. Um, that Suez Canal boat's not hurting either. Yeah, right, right. Let's not forget about old Bodie McBoat. That could have been an there. inside job by Kenny. Yeah, was that a the... Kenny plant? Ah. <laughs> the first win, first big win. What a win that would be if it comes out like years from now, like the the documents get unclassified and it's Jason Kenny in a fake mustache in the or at his, the, at his the helm former of the chief boat. of staff that he had to fire. Yeah, um, Brian Bateson is uh, undercover sabotaging. It boats. was Harper. It was Harper and Harper's son. He hired Harper's son for a reason. Um, now I lost my train of thought. No, the the piece was basically just saying that like economic recovery could come to Alberta, but it's not going to be equal. Like it's not the jobs aren't going to be there. It's going to be largely um, the recovery will be felt by the people who didn't need the recovery to begin with. The people who are least affected by the pandemic. So the people at the top. Um, That's kind of just modern economics, to... though. Is like. Fuck everyone else, as yeah. long as the, the people on top yeah. can recover. 
I mean, I'll recover because I'm so fabulously wealthy that I don't I don't worry about it that much. But yeah, well, then you're a man of the people, so I'm assuming you could just start a GoFundMe and people would fund that shit. Oh yeah, definitely. Stoly'd be in. Um, <laughs> Are you eating a Fabergé egg right now? <laughs> it's filled with caviar. <laughs> <laughs> Straight from Russia. <laughs> um, okay, quickly before we move to the federal, I. The polling, we've, we've alluded to the polling um, that, you know, the NDP are up, UCP are down, uh, Kenny's favorability rating is, is down, Notley's is up and kind of remaining stable. Um, we probably don't have time to break down, all, all, you know, the, the nuances of it. Um, and I only had a chance to look at one breakdown sort of of, of the polling data. And again, it's, it's not the... Um, Leger and it's not the what's the Angus Reed and it's not that one it's um Progress Alberta I think is the name of it or something like this Main Street did one. Uh, it's yeah the one I saw was it's run by researchers at the University of Alberta um but it was the one that I found that had regional breakdowns so because that was the that that's the question you can look at the overall support and see you know NDP at forty and 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 UCP at 30, which already is, is kind of shocking. Um, but what's the regional support? You know, what's, what's that like? Because what we see, obviously, well, every time, NDP has Edmonton <laughs> locked down. Uh, Calgary is usually um, pretty blue, uh, the, and the rurals are pretty blue. Um, but when you looked at a breakdown uh, from suburban, rural, and urban, I don't know exactly how they categorized all of those. Um, where you would expect the UCP to still have their support, the rural, uh, it's dropped a lot there too. And now the the NDP support in those areas hasn't jumped up as high uh, as suburban NDP support has stayed r- pretty stable, um, but they've gained a lot in urban, uh, and the UCP has dropped in all three categories: rural, suburban, and and uh, and urban. So. Where are those votes in the rural going to? I'm assuming the, the Independence Party, the yeah. the Western, you know, Exit Party, whatever it is, these other well, it's parties. It's like the Wild Rose Independence Party. We just made up another Wild Rose Party to replace the old Wild Rose yeah. Party. Yeah. Um, NDP support did go up in in rural, though, like I, I, I believe so. I don't have the numbers in front of me. So, but there was some interesting uh, breakdowns. Um, central, the central region uh, of of... Uh, Alberta, so basically everything north of Calgary and south of Edmonton was strongly blue. Uh, everywhere else was trending towards NDP, although Calgary was kind of still a battleground. It looked like um, so it's kind of some interesting breakdown there. But the question, the overall question, then is: Do you think that the support is in the that we're see this the shift in support in the polls is a protest against? the UCP government or an acknowledgement of support for the for the potential NDP government is it a protest vote or is there actual momentum behind um support for the NDP and what would you what would you need to see from the NDP in order to make sure that like they turn that like it that it actually is support for them we'll go quickly around start with you Steve yeah sure uh i mean it's the rural support fading for Kenny it's I mean one of his less heralded battles was with rural municipalities what a genius right. another battle to fight yeah. those guys um 
yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I don't think that uh, a lot of people say, hey, Rachel Notley, why don't you rebrand? That's something we hear. Rebrand away from the NDP. Um, become the the new, new Democratic Party. I don't know. That's just an idea. And 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 an NDP. Um, go for it. You can you can have it if you want. Um, no, a, re, a rebrand or to merge with the Alberta Party. I've heard people say that too. Uh, get a center centrist kind of merge going. I don't really agree with either of these because uh, I take my cues from Coleman, who's uh, shaking his head right now and frowning. Uh, that's all I've got. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I don't know about, uh, the, I think we'll see the election happen. And then I think that, um, the, I, I don't think that Notley has to do any of those things to be successful, but I do think that the conservatives can be again, successful in the province if they, um, split the party and stop big tenting stop trying to tent everyone some people just want to get wet man um <laughs> and i would say the same with the federal f- federal party i think we're gonna get into that in into that in a bit i think they're just so afraid of the other party in this case the ndp becoming the mainstream right they've been they've been the mainstream in alberta for so long they don't want to they don't want to get into a place where the other party is dominant right because they see that as a risk because they they've been in that position for so long but like canadian politics works best when there are ebbs and flows between parties leaderships change it doesn't get stale go with your go with your tory conservative party let the wild rose party have their own base and um that's what I would recommend. Like, uh, I'm assuming this is after the autopsy of their loss to the NDP, who haven't rebranded, who have stayed orange, as Coleman has directed them to. And uh, so that's what I would say in the aftermath of, of their upcoming loss in two years. Stay, get, 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 a, get a good, you know, Alberta-based, hardworking guy or girl to uh, lead the party um, as a Tory center-right party and, and leave the, the kind of nut jobs who are, have as big a voice now as they've ever had with COVID, um, leave that to their own party. And I think they'll be happier with their own party. But at the end of the day, I don't think they mm-hmm. want to be in the tent anymore either. Uh, the, the thing I always go back to, and I can, sorry for rambling on about this, the thing I always go back to is, if Jason Kenney loses the next election, do you think for one second he's going to stay in Alberta, lead an opposition party? Do you think he's going to continue to work for values? He's going to continue to put it on the line for the Albertans that he, uh, you know, feigns to uh, be on their side above all else? Hell <laughs> no. He is out of here. Look at Brian mm-hmm. Jean. I mean... You can say that's this is my guy or or he's not my politics or he is doesn't matter he's here in the province having his home destroyed every 18 months 
<laughs> it's true. And he's working his Shockingly ass off. accurate. He, he's working his ass off for Albertans. Notley, mm-hmm. the other example. Working her ass off and, and she'll never go anywhere. She'll she won't yeah. accept like some private job in, in Ottawa, like Kenny obviously will. You know. So um yeah. Well Kenny could could stay in Alberta and just work for Harper. Uh, but you're right. He's not going to, I don't see him as staying on as the opposition. All of this, all of this rhetoric of working for Alberta and doing all this for the good people of Alberta. I, I, it rings hollow to me. Um, maybe there's, maybe it's, it's, it doesn't to some other people, but I think that's a, that's a good point. And I, I'm interested in the strategy of forget the fringes and just run with, you know, what you, you know, the center, get, get the majority did maybe you don't have the massive majority uh in in the legislature that you that you once had but you could probably still govern uh maybe even as a minority or just not as big of a majority as you were maybe not every I think that doesn't time, work right yeah right um i think that maybe that to me that's intriguing because it could work because then it probably takes the wind out of the sails of the sort of fringes right uh, right now, they have a voice because you've given them a voice. You've courted them and you've given them a voice. And again, we'll get to the federal conservatives and the problems there too. Um, but if you just say, hey, you know what? We don't need you anymore. We're going to go it alone. Let them fracture uh, and fight it out amongst themselves. Um, maybe a lot of people start saying, you know, well, you know, maybe I'm not totally on board with all of this progressive Tory stuff. Um, but I, I'm definitely not on board with the NDP, but they start to look at the fringe and the wild rose or the exit, the independence party as a wasted vote, right? And so I got to put my vote somewhere. So I'm going to put it to where it's most aligned to me. And that would still be the center right blues. Um, Scott, I haven't heard from you in a bit. Um, first off, I think, Barg, you're right. If Kenny loses, he'll announce his resignation at his... Uh concession speech it will you know he will waste no time on that looking forward like i mean it's two years away at this point i would bet it's 50 50 if uh they get reelected or not it will depend largely on the economy but so do you think you know, the current polling because... is support for the ndps or a vote against or like a like a protest against the the ucp uh i think it's i mean a bit of both i think it always helps former leaders you know it was like not leaves the worst thing that ever happened and then someone just so brazenly incompetent comes after you that um makes you long for what you all had. of a sudden yeah. yeah you look yeah you look a lot better in retrospect compared to the goons that are currently in charge so uh i think there's a lot of people looking back to say you know really notly uh wasn't that bad i had one of my uh probably most conservative friends say like i would vote for the ndp because they were at least struck me as like reasonably competent governance (laughs) as opposed to what we're getting from these guys so i mean i'd say for him maybe it's a bit of both it's a bit a protest vote like i just can't have these morons running things and that's giving me a bit of nostalgia for at least you know grown-ups who were trying whether or not they were actually succeeding um i think a lot of the a lot of it will come down to uh how rural Alberta goes if these independence parties can actually pull off some votes because right now the conservative party holds essentially every rural seat in the province and if they win every rural seat again they almost need nothing in the cities and they can still form a majority government 
Um, I'd love to see a minority situation, but it seems impossible. Basically, there's only two parties that are going to win any seats. So it's hard to come up with a scenario where we see a minority government after the next election, barring something, you know, shocking of the Alberta party or the Wild Rose Independents or someone pulling out some seats to, to split the deadlock. But otherwise, you know, one party is going to get 50 plus for sure. Um, and I think if the economy is, you know, recovering and people have jobs and things look good, then they probably win again because just historically worldwide when, you know, people are kind of when they're doing well and taking home good paychecks and people generally don't vote for change. You look at the economy was in the dumps when the NDP came in and the economy was somewhat in the dumps when they lost because that's uh, historically how people seem to vote. So it'll depend a lot on how the uh, economy goes in the next two years and if they manage to uh, piss off rural Alberta enough that some of them will consider voting for the NDP. There, I think it would be largely protest. Mm -hmm. Certainly... I don't get the sense of a lot of love for the NDP from rural Alberta, but at some point would say, you know what, I've had enough of these incompetent goons. Like the NDP won a bunch of rural seats, I think largely through protest votes in 2015, and they might just be able to squeak it through if Kenny continues to talk about stripping off the mountains and getting rid of the parks and fighting with rural municipalities and driving away all the rural doctors. Um, they see It's almost as if they're just seeing... How much, you know, how much will you people put up with before you'll still vote for us? And, and they might. Well, and so. that's that's one of the bonuses of having that super majority, right, is they've been able to do some stuff. They've been able to cram through some legislation and do some things that, you know, maybe if you had a, less seats in parliament or, God forbid, a minority, you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to do or maybe you wouldn't have the um, the gall to do. Uh, last word on this, uh, go to you, Coleman. Do you think that, um, I'll just throw something out for you to, to jump on, the fact that the NDP has governed before, they're no, they're, it's no longer this mystery. You know, they, they, they've shown they can do it. They've shown they can win, and they've shown that they can put together a competent, we'll say, government. Didn't all go their way, but um, you might disagree with the disagree with either, either way but there's it, it proves there's an alternative i guess do you feel that that's a sense and that's something that you know that that might work for them yeah definitely i think it's kind of funny because if you look back like what uh i think it was barg said earlier about how they thought this conservative government thought it was going to be easy to govern and it hasn't been it was kind of the opposite with the ndp where they came in and were clearly overwhelmed when they took over and then turned into a surprisingly competent government quickly as far as just like the operations of being a governing party works, like they did a pretty good job. And I think there's definitely a lot of people looking at the conservatives right now and being like, well, you know, maybe we didn't have it so bad under the, the NDP. Um, it's cause I think you're talking earlier, like if it's a, these polling numbers are like a re rebellion against the conservatives or like pro NDP. I don't think the NDP have lost that much support from when they were originally elected. Like, they lost a few percentage points of the popular vote in the last election, but it was pretty close to what they were when they actually got elected in the first place. Um, so I think the pro-NDP people are staying there, and I think everyone's... Just, they don't really have to do anything right now. They have their track record that they ran off of that was pretty good, and they just have to wait until, like, the Kenny government has their weekly screw-up, 
and then they can just go in front of a camera and be like, hey, like, we didn't do that. Like, we're, we're pretty competent. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and I think that's all. You, you don't have to overthink this. Like, just let them keep – it's like Sideshow Bob when he keeps stepping on the rakes when, that one episode of The <laughs> Simpsons. It's like just let Jason Kenny walk around and step on rakes. And then Nolly can be like, yeah. look at my face. I haven't been stepped on a single rake in my entire life. So, yeah, I don't think it was this huge – and there's kind of like people try to make it as like the the last election was this huge throwback against the NDP. It's like you did a bad job, so we elected the conservatives again. It's like really no, like you lost a few percentage points from being the party in power, which kind of makes sense. And you were going against the United Conservative Party, so you lost. That's that's about yeah. it. Like there wasn't like Albertans weren't frothing at the mouth hating the NDP when they left last time. So I think in a lot of them. A lot of the reasonable ones are looking at it now and being like, well, you know, they would be doing a better job right now. At least from just like every, like a lot of the things that the NDP screws up, like going to war against Netflix for a animated Bigfoot movie, you can look at the NDP party and be like, they wouldn't do something that stupid. Yeah. But again, this now then circles back to the whole fight back thing and People wanted a fighter. The Alberta wanted a fighter. Um, that rhetoric, you know, people were ready for that, and people wanted that uh, at the time. I so, mean, I but, think yeah. my my kind of point is, you could have put anyone in charge. Like Brian Jean could have been in charge of that, or that combined conservative party and got the same result. You could have put. Well, he almost was. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, maybe he he should have been, been because there's still the investigation yeah. into election fraud uh, so, <laughs> that's ongoing. So let's not forget that. Either. Yeah. So uh, fighting against the election commissioner—that's another UCP battle. I don't think uh, fighting against clean elections. That's true. I don't think Alberta was like we weren't raring for like a guy to fight for us all the time. I think it's just there was a large percentage of Albertans that were going to vote conservative no matter what and that could have been either for one conservative party or split between two conservative parties and whoever you put in charge of that one party was going to get those votes anyway it could have been yeah. a very reasonable they could put Joe Clark in charge of that party they could put Stockwell Day in charge of that party they could put Jason Kenney in charge of that party and then all of a sudden it's like oh Albertans want us to fight all the time and now it's kind of like maybe we didn't maybe we just wanted someone yeah. competent that would stand up for us like and it's like if we are getting fucked over by the gov- or the federal government, yeah, we should fight back. But are we getting fucked over this consistently that we need to fight back all the time? It's like probably not. Probably the answer is well, in between the two. Maybe that's what this the the failures of some of the fight back strategies and, is has been. And one is more that, thing, like look at maybe there wasn't a fight here. Maybe there wasn't nothing to nothing to to complain about. Anyway, and we have to stop making the Alberta Party happen. I've I've said this before. The Alberta Party is Sam Bennett for the Calgary Flames, a forward that is just not going to be uh, offensive force. People is like, ooh, what if the NDP combined with the Alberta Party? It's like, why on earth would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so you could. We'll have to save that for so another. So you could week. gain like one percent of the popular vote in an election. <laughs> why the Alberta Party has never been able to break through? We could we could save that for another time i want to touch on the conservatives while we have the federal conservatives while we have some time left because this is a story that made it across the pond over here into europe um there was the uk papers were talking about it anyway um which i guess technically the uk is no longer part of europe sorry brexit sorry brexit folks they're going to be upset that i said that um but anyway, uh, the story being that the Federal Conservative Party, uh, under the leadership of Aaron O'Toole, had a policy convention last weekend. 
Um, there was rumblings before the policy convention opened up. This is they were doing it online, obviously, in the times of COVID. That it was being uh, sort of dominated. The early, you know, ticket sales attendance uh, for who was going to show up for the online policy convention was dominated by social conservatives, um, the types of social conservatives that have plagued Aaron O'Toole, I guess, since he since he took leadership. Uh, we remember Derek Sloan who equated uh, COVID vaccines to human experimentation, among other things. He was turfed from the caucus. There's been uh, other issues popping up with the more, um, we'll say social conservative, we'll say right side of the base, right-leaning side of the, of the federal conservative base. The woman in Ontario that uh, equated or accused the liberals of, what was it, turning people gay or condoning pedophilia or something there was that one um there's a few other examples but anyway they were they were there was rumblings that they were going to sort of you know dominate this policy convention and policy conventions don't necessarily dictate exactly what the government will do if they become what the party will do if they become government you know there's room you know it does the, the leader has room even if they go against him uh, in the pol- or there's policies that get voted on that uh, maybe they don't stick to is what I'm saying. It's not it's not 100% you know um, set in stone. But Aaron O'Toole on the Friday of the policy convention came out and gave his keynote speech uh, in which he said there needs to be the Conservative Party needs to have a robust climate plan. Very reasonable thing to say, I would think, uh, looking at how the last elections have gone. And looking at the polling on climate change in Canada, where majority of Canadians believe it is a big issue and want the government to do something about it, um, conservatives have been for years going against carbon tax uh, and fighting that battle, which now might be over because of the Supreme Court decision we talked about. Um, but anyway, so Aaron O'Toole has been trying to drag his party uh, to the middle, back to the middle. Um, they've been leaning to the a little further to the right than they normally do uh, historically, and he's been trying to drag them to the middle. It doesn't appear to be working, and this was just the latest example where making the speech, talking about climate change, saying it's an issue, we need to have it. The headline coming out of the weekend was that his party, after that speech, voted against an amendment to the policy, uh, the party policy, to acknowledge climate change as real. <laughs> And this is the, all the headlines that we were seeing over here uh, across the Atlantic. And again, we talked about um, Kenny seeming to not have a, a response to you know what seemed like an imminent loss in the Supreme Court. It didn't look like O'Toole had a big, a, a good response, uh, or was aware that that this might happen, uh, which you should be aware that this might happen. Um, but it brings up some fracturing. We were talking about fracturing of the, the Conservative Party in, the, in Alberta. It brings up these issues um, with the federal Conservative Party and took the wind out of his sails. If there is a spring election, he was using this as a, as a way to rebrand to Canadians. And it seems like his party said, no, we don't want that rebrand. So what does Aaron O'Toole do now? Uh, we'll start with you, Scott. Just what did you what did you make of that? How big of a problem is it for him? And what does he got to do now if his goal is to bring the Conservative Party to the middle, where I think we would all agree 
They have to be if they want to have a sniff at winning the next election. Yeah, I think this is a giant problem for O'Toole and for the party. I think they're facing a similar sort of dynamic that, you know, the UCP here in Alberta, say the Republican Party in the United States, in that you've got kind of a lunatic fringe um, that is a relatively small portion of the base, at least hopefully, and at least here, maybe not so much down south. But So to what extent do you try and placate the lunatic fringe at the expense of losing the center? And it would appear just with the way the party is structured and who the delegates are that go to these conventions and that sort of thing, that the fringe is really winning, um, which is great for winning on the convention floor. It's not going to help them win the federal election. Um, Because I think we're right. They've been talking about how it's been years and years of the carbon tax is bad and our plan will be better, but no plan ever comes. Uh, because it's really easy to say our this plan is terrible and ours will be better, but at some point you got to put pen to paper and make something. It's happen. also difficult to make so, that plan better than the current plan when majority of economists and policy experts are saying that the carbon tax, the carbon levy, would have pricing carbon is the best plan. So, so it's yeah, difficult and that's, to come up with something better when it's like they need a different. They can't call it a carbon tax. Call it carbon levy, carbon pricing, or something. And then you know you could adjust the rebate program or what the money goes to. You can kind of fiddle at the margins there and say ours is better. But yeah, there's really no good way to come up with a better plan that doesn't involve pricing. That's basically the near universal consensus among uh, amongst economists and you know, the people who actually study this stuff that just price it and let the market sort it out. It's the cheapest and best way to do it. Um, So if you just categorically have to take that option off the table because that's the liberal option and you've spent years and years stomping your feet about the evils of carbon taxes, then I honestly, I don't know what they do because I think if they were to tack to the center, there's certainly, Trudeau is, you know, I don't think he is beloved at this point. The uh, lagging like vaccine rates are certainly not helping his government. It seems there is a lot of room for a sensible centrist party, you know, center-right party to come in and say, yeah, we're not going to be climate change deniers. We're not going to be, you know, super socially conservative because that's just not a winning election issue in Canada. Uh, Nobody seems to want to go back and reopen any of those debates. So. In terms of what they need to do seems clear to me and that get serious about climate change, you know, just excise the crazies and accept that we're going to lose support amongst the crazies and we're going to hopefully gain more amongst, you know, kind of right leaning liberal voters that are just, you know, looking to say, I would rather have a sensible conservative party. But if I'm going to choose between the climate change deniers, you know, if it's the climate change denial people or the liberals that I don't love but at least aren't crazy, they're going to vote for the not crazies. So it seems fairly obvious to me, but how he does it with kind of the nature of the party base and sort of the outside, the outsized influence that extremes tend to have in terms of the internal controls of the party. Uh, I mean, if they can't get 50% to vote that climate change is real, what do you do internally, even if I would guess if you asked conservative voters, you know, nationwide, how many of them would vote to say climate change is real? Probably 80 plus percent. You know, it's the makeup of party delegates really doesn't represent the actual makeup of their voters. And I think, 
you'd hope to have to try and stress to these people to say, you know, listen, do you want to win or not? Because you just, you know, you got to shut up about uh, all these, you know, essentially just shut up about it because you're, it's not going to help us win. And if, you know, we're going to support conversion therapy or things like that, like, you know, sure, dream about that on your own, but shut up about it because it's not going to help us win elections and you're just going to get more Trudeau that yeah. way. There was, I think it was a tweet from Aaron O'Toole, or it was a quote. I, it came up on my Twitter where it was, it said, liberal scandals uh, alone will not bring this government down. Um, and it that appeared, 2019 showed us, because there was a number of liberal, <laughs> scan, Justin Trudeau, uh, colored face scandals, and he still won because you would, the argue, or the, the prevailing wisdom is that the conservatives seemed crazier um or seemed too conservative seemed too to the right um i think last time we spoke steve you said you know we were talking about similar things uh, is there going to be a spring election what do the conservatives have to do kind of thing uh and what will what will be the you said between now and that election trudeau will give us some something to he'll bungle something basically was your point uh I mean, we haven't seen that yet. Maybe that's vaccines. Uh, maybe it's the vaccine thing. Maybe that dogs him all the way. Um, what? I'll go to you, Steve. What, what is can, my can prediction Trudeau, for Trudeau's uh, can Trudeau, bungling? <laughs> well, well, yeah. Face, yeah, let's go there. Pull something out of my ass? How's he, uh, he going to bungle it? Well, no, I guess my point is just, again, j- jumping on this thing of like, what are the... the how, we could talk about O'Toole and what, how, what he's going to do. Does he just, anyone that sort of deviates from, we're going to the middle, uh, I'm, you're out of caucus, you're, I'm publicly denouncing that part of the party, uh, and come hell or high water, this is where we're going, maybe I lose the election, um, but, but someone's got to do it, by God. Um, maybe he uses that as a rallying cry um, to the middle conservatives or the, these voters that that Stoli, uh brought up, saying you know that they don't love the liberals, but they're you know maybe he the public battle against his party is he can bring in those those voters you know or steal some voters from the liberals. I don't know what do you see and just what balancing that against you know the the liberals right now and is there something that they can do that would be catastrophic that would none of this would matter. Well, I think uh, I've got the same basic take, and it's what Stoli said about the just now about um, how the extreme of the party is is inside of the tent. Now I don't know if you've ever been in a big tent with a lot of people, but my God, I, that's it's moist. That's the last place I want to be. You gotta get a smaller tent. Going alone, be in your own <laughs> tent, <laughs> get yourself a nice sleeping bag. No, I, I don't know. These, like, okay, so uh, there was the resolution passed that said they do not believe in climate change. Uh, or they just didn't agree to put a statement in the. Yeah, there's other wording. They failed to say climate change yeah. is real. They didn't vote to yeah. say climate change Good. isn't real, yeah. though, you know, it seems to be kind of the... Uh, well, and the, also the survey question uh, was very poorly worded, is my understanding. is It wasn't just to say, it, do we 
admit that it's real, but also that we want to invest in green energy in order yeah. to do something about it. So it's like reading yeah. one of those really bad survey questions. And you're like, well, I think this is true, but I don't want to do this. So I'm going to just write no. That seems to me yeah. like what part of the problem is. So whoever was writing that question was uh, didn't do a very good job wording it. But Aaron O'Toole came out and said, hey, listen, I'm the leader, which is true. He doesn't have to do shit about this convention. These conventions, they seem like almost by design to be uh, circuses. Um, and there's always bad press out of these big tent affairs. Uh, they get pretty smelly. And um, Man, I didn't realize you hated big tents so much. <laughs> the pandemic has done nothing for uh, a lot of people in a big tent. Let me not tell a fan you. of circuses then, are <laughs> you? No, I'm not at all. Good Lord. Don't even get me started on circuses. But uh, it's not, neither here nor there. We have Peter O'Toole who says, uh, I'm the leader. Which is, Aaron O'Toole. Right, Aaron O'Toole. He should change. He should rebrand. Change his name to he should, Peter O'Toole. <laughs> he, should, yeah, he should merge yeah. with well, Peter O'Toole. Too. Just become uh, Pete, Aaron. Peter O'Toole. Like, Peter More like o Aaron O'Fool, am I yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's... Uh, as I watched a commercial with uh, Aaron O'Toole, and this goes to what we're speaking of. The commercial starts, I'll just give you, paint you a picture here. The commercial starts with someone on the Google search uh, bar typing in, who is Aaron O'Toole? And they <laughs> press enter. And then, and then at their, this is pretty funny. It says, it goes to the next screen, which is, did you mean Aaron Brockovich? <laughs> so the, the the premise of the commercial is this guy's so unknown that we have no clue who this person is and that Google even thinks O'Toole must be Brockovich because um, those are even similar to a certain degree. That seems but, uh, like the kind of joke that the Conservative Party would come up with. Yeah, well, and <laughs> that just, I don't know if that's... Uh, Another kind of like meta joke about how he spells his name. That's typically the female version of how you spell the name. So maybe they're trying to make sure that we know not only is this uh, Aaron O'Toole. He's right here. He's also a man, a white, <laughs> bald man. And so then it's... It, and he's aware that he spells his name in the feminine. That's right. He's and, in on the joke. That's right. Yeah. And then it pans to him, and he's like, this is who I am. I am Marit O'Toole. And then uh, it's nice to meet you. Now I'm getting back to work. And then he he's not back he's, to work. He's on a stroll. He's walking I hope around. he's speaking exactly like that, too, and he gets right in the camera. He's like, I am Aaron O'Toole. <laughs> you, now back yeah. to work. Our polling suggests that you have no idea who I am. Well, <laughs> here I am, back to work. Uh, good, thank you, Aaron. But uh, And I only saw the commercial once. <laughs> it clearly was a hit. It I was memorable. It worked. a lot of times, but that one was only once. Because they re repeats on the uh, Sportsnet hockey feeds, they just repeat. Yeah, the we same only get three commercials during. But those that games. one was only one time. Maybe someone went back and said, "What the hell is this commercial? What is <laughs> Why do they think this is going to be Aaron Brockovich? I don't think Google would say. Did you mean Aaron Brockovich? 
Should we be he admitting? Just not a good should look. we just should we be admitting that nobody knows who the hell this guy is? Also, um, that's such a dated reference. That's like a movie from the no mid nineties. No kidding. <laughs> Get yourself a more relevant Aaron. Um. <laughs> anyway, so oh, this guy uh, he's set up to be not good. I don't know. I don't know enough about him, but it seems like he he wants to do some good things, but he won't be able to do the good things. Uh, because the party is too big of a tent. They should focus. They should narrow. They should uh, become a, a, a more Tory-like government. Uh, and maybe Aaron O'Toole is the guy to lead that kind of party. I have no idea. Well, we would have thought Peter McKay would have been the guy to, to lead that. Yeah. <laughs> the former progressive conservative sure, Tory leader. Sure. But uh, that didn't work. So anyway, I, I largely agree with Scott about um, the fact that, hey, that there's room for such a person to emerge. Uh, but there's there seems to be just uh, barnacles on the hull, so to speak, that are uh, slowing it down towards it needs to go. And it might even, it seems also like the barnacles might be angling the ship towards the shore and blocking everything that may pass. Those mm. damn mm. barnacles. I love the nautical reference. Um, really paints a picture. I like how we from went the middle from, of the prairies. I like how we went from uh, tent, tent referencing so slew, not slowly, so smoothly. Wow, it wasn't mm. smoothly at all. So smoothly <laughs> towards the the nautical references. That's uh, the guy's truly a poet. Well, if you got barnacles on your tent, then you're fucked. <laughs> you got you got big problems. My doctor, my doctor told big me the problems. same thing. <laughs> is, that, is that a scrotum reference? <laughs> to take it however you how it was more of a uh, precautionary tale. You told me. <laughs> We're just sitting well, around. I was sitting around having a couple of drinks with my doctor. He's like, Coleman, let me tell you something. I'm like, what's that, doc? And he's like, if you ever have barnacles on your hull, you're fucked. Well, then he uh, took a big drag off his cigarette. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Hey, that's good advice. That's good advice. Terrible. These are the only doctors that are left in Alberta, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> He's definitely available. Yeah. All right. Here's an interesting uh, point that is not my point. Let's be real. You know, all of my takes are recycled from articles and media that I'm influenced by. It's pathetic. Um, Absolutely pathetic. Yep. Yeah, that's what you get. This is what you get with, you know, less than two hours of prep for this show. That's well, two I hours. You guys were gonna be like, wow. I thought you guys were gonna be a little impressed that I might even might may have even done an hour. No, that's an incredible <laughs> amount. I think you're you're doing a good job, Brad. Good job. Oh, does getting dressed yeah. count as prep? Like I'm currently wearing yeah, clothes. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. Of... There's a reason your camera's off. <laughs> yeah, there's no evidence. There's of a that. reason well, I don't tell have you, the Brad, webcam. Your mustache looks. Combed, quaffed, looks great. That's about is that fifty-five minutes of work. Nice, yeah. yeah there you go. That's what I yeah. thought. Fifty-five um, minutes. Wow. Yeah. This you don't you don't you, you don't just roll out of bed like this. Well, I mean, some you can, some but... of us do. Not me. <laughs> not me. Um, the take the that I will off. recycle and put to you guys. We'll start with Coleman on it, but it's it's an it was an interesting point that came up about this this idea of the the conservative movement being sort of dominated by the fringes by the sort of excitable populist 
groups among them. Um, and it was that they largely courted this group uh, for fundraising. Um, they brought up the, if you remember, this was a, this was brought up on the Strategists podcast, uh, great Alberta um, and Canadian politics podcast. Better than this one? We'll see. Um, anyway, the take was, the, the point was that if you remember back to the Harper uh, government, there was all of this talk about the... Uh, how great they were at micro-targeting their advertising and stuff to the base. They were using sort of the social media tools and stuff to 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 get support, get these uh, financial support, all that kind of thing. Um, and when you do that, what what you know, look at some of the the ads that the Conservative Party are still running. It's these attack kind of get you outraged sort of um, ads. I mean, right after the the riot in. Uh, in the U.S. Uh, that was spurred on by claims of election fraud, the Conservative Party of Canada ran an, an email ad to their supporters saying, with the big banner headline, Justin Trudeau is rigging the election. We don't even, we, at this point, the election hadn't even been announced or anything. It still hasn't been announced, but, you know, that was the kind of language they chose to, to run with after the event, like, right after the events that we saw in the U.S., um, so it's that kind of the the argument or the 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 point brought up on the strategist pod was is this you know what do we do like that's that's your model to get financial donations to get support and stuff um you're going to end up with with this base you know that's that's who's going to be here that's who's going to be angling for a piece of the pie when you whip that up now um is there a better solution do you want all corporate money obviously not but how do you balance that? Uh, I don't know. Um, but I thought it was an interesting point, and I wonder, you know, where you go from here. Um, I don't know if anyone has thoughts on that. I'll throw it to you first, uh, Coleman. But Yeah, I think it's it's a point you have. If you court that base for money to drive your political machine, you can't be surprised that they show up at your, uh, your convention and fuck everything up. Like, it's just kind of... And I remember that seeing that ad too, that like Justin Trudeau's rigging this election. It's like we all know exactly why that ad was put in place. It had nothing to do with the election actually being rigged. It's that some someone that works at a political consulting firm thought, hey, putting this language in an ad would probably get us a bump in fundraising. Like that's clearly what happened. And it probably worked. It probably worked. But then I go back to like Aaron O'Toole not having a like I remember hearing him talk after the the climate change thing got voted down at the conservative convention and he's kind of just exasperated because clearly is a guy that knows what they need to do like their path to victory involves doing stuff like that like having a climate change platform and it's like if if the side of this party that they cater to all the time keeps coming in and throwing hand grenades into their operations like it's just not gonna work it's you're gonna lose to justin trudeau again i don't really see any way I remember last time we did this podcast, it was asked like what he can do to overcome that. And I'm like, I don't think anything. I don't see any way that Justin Trudeau loses this next election against Aaron O'Toole. I just don't see any any possible way to do it. I think the conservatives federally do the exact same thing that they're kind of doing in Alberta. So you try and straddle this these two different groups and run a party. And it's just really difficult to make both of them happy at this point especially because one side is growing like the 
I don't want to say far right because it's not like everyone that on the far right of the conservative party is a white supremacist or anything like that. It's just, but that side, that angry side is growing and they want their opinions heard and they're very loud about it. And it's going to be really hard to run this social progressive party that would be a good party to challenge the liberals. I just don't think there's numbers to support it at all. So then you have to do those ads where you're targeting people with rigged election claims and things like that to raise money. It's just it's a tough spot for the federal conservatives. Like I I can see how someone like Aaron O'Toole would be very frustrated with trying to lead the party that he wants to and I just don't think there's enough people in Canada that want to support it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. As I think we kind of get to before where Harper, when Harper brought the, um, what would it back then, the Canadian Alliance and the yeah. progressive conservatives together. It's like those are both essentially minority parties at the end of the day but together they have a chance at forming government but apart it's it's really tough to defeat the liberals on a federal scale because the ndp is not going to chip it would take a hell of a a hell of a boner from the trudeau government to lose enough support to make that viable i just don't really think the numbers are there at all mm-hmm. well and it's so it, just as as we wind up here, focus on on the liberals and and how big of a boner can they actually manufacture? Uh, I don't know if it's it's big enough. I don't know if it's the vaccine thing appears to not be uh, big enough. Uh, it's I don't know. You guys are there. You know the temperature of the vaccine issue more than more than I do, but. The numbers are going up every day in terms of who's getting vaccinated, how many people are getting vaccinated. So, you know, if there's a hiccup in supply again, maybe, you know, that 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 could be it. The we thing, the we scandal has died out. And I mean, I look at these things and say, like, OK, so every every gov- Steve, you said, you know, Canadian politics works best when there's ebb and flow, when there's change, when there's back and forth between parties and Every time that we've switched between liberal, conservative, liberal, conservative on the federal side, there's some minor kind of corruption scandal. You know, there's something. I mean, the we thing, I don't know that it turned out once you looked at the at the paper and, and the, the paper trail and everything like that to be as nefarious as it was made out to be. Um, now there's, you know, a bunch of, you know, the we charity is facing a number of questions about their uh, ethical uh, business dealings. But that's not, you know, you they'll obviously try to stain the government with that, but it has nothing to do with the government. Um, Harper had his his scandals, Mike Duffy and the Senate spending, uh, robocalls, uh, a number of, of other ones. I can't think of them all off the top of my head. Before that, was it, what, Paul Martin and the ad scam, the ad, uh, you know, like... Sponsorship, sponsorship scandal, scandal that's yeah. what i'm thinking of it's like every since i've been alive and able to follow had the mental capacity to follow canadian politics mental capacity um the patience <laughs> to follow the boring boring canadian politics there's always been a scandal there's always been something and eventually you know the economy's down and the ruling party people are like all right we've had enough Justin Trudeau's won two elections. He survived probably some of the bigger uh, political scandals. You know, the blackface one was. I am so still still so surprised yeah, that, that. If anything was going to bring him down, I really would have thought the blackface scandal would have done it. Yeah, 
But I do think like tolerance for scandal has just gone yeah. up North America wide amongst the electorate and stuff that, you know, would have been absolutely career ending 15 years ago now just kind of gets swept under the rug and, and people move on. And it probably helps that it seems the NDP is a bit loony to the left. The Conservative Party is certainly getting branded as a bit loony to the right. So then it's like, well, I don't love blackface or wasting our money on skeezy charities, but they still seem less bad than the other people. And I would say the overall sentiment, I don't I don't meet a lot of people in you know Canada right now that are just super jazzed to vote for any particular party. It's a lot more like, well, you know, I sort of bite my tongue and vote for the least, you know, the least worst it seems to be what I the sense I get from most people. And it's easier the liberals and you're in the middle uh, to just seem like the least worst option. Yeah. And there was the, like, again, barring, you know, the uh, major disruptions to the vaccine rollout, they handled the pandemic quite well. Um, it'll the budget that they table will you know, dictate how that election goes as well and whether they call an election and stuff like that. Um, the economy is going to be the next thing, right? That's the next phase is the economic recovery. And seems like the conservatives would have their, like that's their bread and butter, right? When, when, when you need good fiscal managers, go conservative. Now, I mean, you could probably look at the data and make an argument that that's, it doesn't, that's they're not. That's old but, sour goat's butter. <laughs> is, okay. is goat butter particularly sour? I, I'm not a, I'm not old, a foodie like you, Bart. Sour. Oh, it sounds like something someone would pay a lot of money for sour goat's butter. But I think right now a message of like hard fiscal discipline austerity is not going to sell to anybody. No. Um, you know, just politically, it seems worldwide right now it's like open the floodgates and spend the money. So. You know, if everyone else is doing, every other country's doing it, it's going to be a lot harder to pitch the like, we need to actually, you know, spend less money, raise taxes, and get our budgetary house in order with interest rates where they're at. There's not a ton of appetite for that. I yeah, well, think. then the message would have to be who do you trust spending the money? Do you trust me or do you trust, do you trust Aaron Brockovich or do you trust actually, Justin I do. Trudeau? I'd like to get Aaron. Brockovich. I, I would trust Aaron. I do Brockovich have a lot of faith than... in Aaron Brockovich, <laughs> who I believe to be the leader of the Canadian yeah. Conservative Party. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. It's someone named Aaron, and Brockovich was the first That's thing that right. came yeah. up on Google. So looks I'm exactly like Julia Roberts. So, <laughs> so here's my uh, my issue with the Liberal governance, and it won't end up being a scandal. But eventually, they're going to have to do some accounting on how the last uh, year has gone in terms of the money spent. And and to me, this is this was the only issue with the WE scandal as well, is, is um, you know, they need to actually show the money spent versus, and, and what their budget is, which, I mean, I think we are going to see a budget. I don't know. Originally, they said they were not going to release they, a budget they haven't they haven't released one since 2019 i believe it's exactly they, just they weren't gonna for they weren't gonna do it last year so we need to see a budget and we need to see yeah. the amount of money spent on uh the supports through the pandemic and and quite frankly i agree that the taps should have been turned on completely uh 
and and full force at the beginning, but they had plenty of time to go and be more surgical about it a couple months later, which they didn't really do. And the Wii thing as well to me is simply uh, clumsy spending of money. At the time, they just thought that they could throw money at anything everywhere. They didn't have to really think about it or do too much uh, homework on it. And that, that to me is the Wii scandal. And now of course the Wii, there's, there's other kind of uh, branches to go down or avenues to go down with, with that, with how we paid members of the family and how we is just such a crazy and seeming unethical and corrupt organization. Um, so I don't know, tax dollars need to be accounted. And if you're not willing to do that, then that's a that's a really big issue, obviously. And it needs to be transparent as well. And um, so we'll see when when that happens. I, like I'm no, they're, assuming, they're, I'm assuming they're putting one out on the 19th. Yeah, I'm the assuming the budget, budget April 19th. The budget is going to coincide with some kind of non-confidence, or or and that's potentially yeah. what could trigger the election. Uh, yeah. So. We need to see it, and it needs to be honest. I, I don't want to, I, and I don't trust it to be an honest uh, retelling of of what's happened. So I could see the the NDP carrying this budget through. They really, at, to this point, don't have any reason not to or to go to an election. Right? They don't like. No one has not a in reason, any better spot. No one has a reason to go to an election except potentially Trudeau. Yeah, yeah. Which I I don't think that that's. Again, I'm saying I don't think that's a good use of the, a triggering of an early election. It's, no, it's I think you yeah, doing it case. yourself. I don't think that's correct. I'm sure there's like we talked about last time that there's a mechanism for them to do it. I just yeah. disagree with that uh, as a fundamental uh, well, uh, principle. That's the risk, right? It could bite them in the ass. Uh, but like we said last time, there's provincial examples of that. You know, making that cynical play of "Hey, now it's good for me, so I'm going to do it." And even you know, in BC, they did it after saying they weren't going to do it, and then called an election, mm-hmm. uh, and it still worked. So, I mean, historically, that's been the talk every early election. It's like, will voters punish them for this sort of cynical yeah. move? And the answer, nine times out of ten, yeah. is no, they won't. I mean, there's the only reason you ever call an early election is you're convinced it's going to go yeah. well for you. And by and large, it does. So I think, you know, I like just to wrap up here because we were we're fresh out of time. But uh, it seems that, you know, fuck tents. We don't like tents. We don't want big tents. Uh, If we're conservatives, that's the message I'm getting. Uh, Clean the barnacles off your bag, off your tent. Your tent, sorry, tent I, I, I went with bag and, and not tent. tent <laughs> Any really anywhere you have barnacles, get them off. Doesn't matter get them if it's off. a bag right. or a tent, a boat. But I think that's an interest. I, I like. I think that's an interesting point. Is that you do have to like let's cut the dead weight. Let's scrape the barnacles uh, if you're the conservatives, and if you can come up with a solid climate change plan, something reasonable. And you, you have an out now, too. There was another great uh, opinion piece in the CBC by Aaron Way, Wary, I think. I can't remember the name. But that like this is their out. Now that the Supreme Court has ruled it, the conservatives can walk away and say, hey, well, you know, we tried, but let's move forward and let's just deal with the parameters that the court have set out. You know, this is their out. They can do that. 
they could do that and then hammer uh, the trust issue of who do you trust to spend your money and show us where the money has been spent. Maybe that's their maybe that's their path. But Aaron Aaron O'Toole has a sorry Aaron Brockovich has a uh, a difficult path forward. Uh, anyone want to have one quick last word or shall we shall we end it there, gentlemen? I've actually got some uh, uh, things to take care of barnacle wise. <laughs> I see you it's sharpening good, your barnacle knife. Good reminder. Right now. Good reminder. Yeah. Mm. That's all. It's spring. It's tax season. It's barnacle season. Yeah, barnacle. barnacle's, barnacle's been building up all winter, many many winter months. It's it's warm in Edmonton. I'm gonna go out on a bike ride today. It's what what I'm gonna do. Oh wow, ladies, so Mr. It's Fitness. A lovely... They're uh, calling for up to 100 kilometer an hour winds in the afternoon. So uh, go now. In Edmonton, would be my advice to you. We don't get winds in Edmonton. Yeah. No wind. No wind there. All right. <laughs> No one's there. This man used to live in Lethbridge. That's not a 100 kilometer. When Coleman's calling in from intensive care after, uh, you know, getting thrown into the seventh story of a building in his bicycle. It's only eight kilometers an hour right now. calling in from the ICU. This is nothing. Get out that bike sale. That's not that much less than 100. (laughs) Eight kilometers, only 92 kilometers an hour. As Bark says, I'm from Lethbridge. Like even a hundred kilometer an hour wind, it's like I'm not going to like let that ruin my day or anything. I'm going to go about my business. It's just another day in paradise. No, I'm super curious to see where things go. And if we do have this spring election, um, I think the vaccines have been slow enough that I kind of think we won't. But uh, and we'll see if the conservatives can move their tent, because to be honest, and Barg's going to hate this, but it's not the size of the tent. It's the location Mm. that you just need to pick up those four posts and move the tent a little more to the middle leave the crazies in the rain and try and get some of the people who are on the uh, just on the outside of other tents to join yeah. your tent because large tent size is winning people voters love those big beautiful you, get, you tents. light up the barbecue outside your tent and the people will come well, i think you just need to <laughs> get the dogs like, on the queue and the people will come you need to open if you build it they will come that famous line from aaron brockovich that's right my, great movie. my experience with tents is you just need to open up the the flaps a bit and vent the stank out and it's okay <laughs> mm. <laughs> all right i can't wait otherwise you get I barnacles can't wait for the barnacle episode in the tent pod next time we meet thanks guys for being here it's always a pleasure we'll catch you next time yeah thanks Thank for the you, opportunity brad. brad god god bless alberta Follow at Lionel Steel. Follow at Lionel. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Losing a lot of followers lately. Thank you. <laughs> Losing. <laughs> there you have it. Follow us. Too Brad for you. Instagram, Twitter at Too Brad for you. You can uh, email the show. Too Brad for you at gmail.com, and you can leave us a voice message. Speakpipe.com slash Too Brad for you. We haven't been losing followers, but we always want to gain a couple more. Uh, rate, subscribe. All that stuff really helps us out. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it, and we will catch you next time. Bye for now.